Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Rank Rats. Today is January 11th, 2020, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Colorado Hockey Raincast. Today we're joined by CeCe Hockley of Full Press Coverage and Marie Sexton of The Rink Colorado to talk about the upcoming Colorado Eagles season. Let's get right into it. All right, and today we are joined by C.C. Hawkley, um, who's going to talk about his new opportunity, formerly of uh, Sinbin, Sinbin News. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, the Sinbin.net. I was there for over three years, and now I am writing for full press coverage. I'm heading up their AHL team over there and, of course, still covering the Colorado Eagles for them. So, yeah, very excited to be working alongside uh, Ian Glendon, uh, Murray Pam, and uh, just a really talented group of pro pro hockey writers association people, and whether they're associated or not, they're they're a quality group of writers, and I'm excited to work with them. Awesome, great to have you. And we also Thank have you. Ms. Marie Sexton, our Eagles expert from the Ring, Colorado. Hello, Marie. Hello. Perfect. Well, I guess we kind of brought everyone together here. We've got uh, Avalanche and NHL hockey starting this week. Very exciting stuff. Um, and then we have Eagles hockey and the AHL starting um, at the beginning of February. So I wanted to bring you both together to talk some some NHL and AHL hockey, mostly about Eagles. Um, we did have some news about the Avalanche uh, camp training camp right now. Um, they had a slew of players sent down today. Um, Kyle Burrows, who came over in the Islanders uh, trade with I believe AJ Greer and Sheldon Dries, Nick Henry, Jacob McDonald, Jason Megna, uh, Dan Renoff, and then Mika Salamaki, Peter Tishka, TJ Tynan, and Mike, Mike Vecchioni, and Adam Warner. So not a lot of names um, that we would expect to stay up. It's kind of a general big first cut. Um, but yeah, a lot of the players they, that Joe Sackick signed over the offseason um, to kind of beef up the, the, uh, the Eagles and the AHL team now there. And we're also going to try to discuss <clears throat> some of the players that actually stayed up with, with the Avs who have not been sent down yet. Kiefer Sherwood, Shane Bowers, Logan O'Connor, Martin Kaut, um, saw a lot from Logan O'Connor at the end of 
uh, the season with uh, playing against the Dallas Stars in the playoffs. So he got some national attention there too. And then also still on the team, Connor Timmons, Dennis Gilbert, who came over with uh, Brandon Saad and in the Zadorov trade, as well as Keaton Middleton and Mr. Bone Byram. So I know before we kind of jump into some questions and kind of analyzing um, the roster moves, Marie, you wanted to chat about a couple of things. Well, I was just wondering if CeCe had any uh, thoughts about, you know, with the realignment of the AHL, just like the NHL realigned, um, that Atlantic division, there are three teams. So, you know, if you're the Bruins, you're just playing the Wolfpack and the Sound Tigers like over and over and over the entire season. Uh, is that the plan? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking at the divisional alignment here and, you know, the Pacific doesn't, uh, the Pacific didn't change, um, we at all. We actually team. We went from yeah. being a team to being a full division, but the Atlantic yeah, is it's, faster. <laughs> yeah. The Atlantic. Yeah. Like you said, Bridgeport, Hartford and Providence. Um, and I had a feeling that was going to happen with the New York teams and, and Rhode Island as well, because they've been so, they've been so hard hit by the pandemic and and COVID-19 and the coronavirus and everything. And so it's not a big surprise that they're all staying um, pretty well within, you know, within state and things like that. Um, I don't know what the plan is for those three. I mean, <laughs> you look at the Canadian division, Belleville, Laval, Manitoba, and Toronto, you know, you got four teams that are going to be playing each other a number of times. But Marie, if, uh, if they go on the lower end from what I've heard, um, you know, teams are going to be playing anywhere between 24 and 40 games this postseason is what the the numbers that I've heard floated around. So so to have Bridgeport, Hartford and Providence, you know, split, you know, eight games uh, between well, not eight games because they they'd be playing two opponents. So if they, you know, split 12 games between those two teams, then, you know, you'd have kind of like an ECHL schedule. Like you remember when the Eagles were back playing the Grizzlies, you know, 13, 14, 15 times a year, playing the Steelheads 13, 14, 15 times a year. It's going to be probably a similar situation to that. And uh, yeah, it's not ideal. It's, it, it was definitely a glaring, um, it was definitely a glaring division when, like you said, when the alignment was announced, but and yeah, that's, said, that's yeah. kind of, what's that? Sorry. Have they said yet what they're going to do for playoffs or is that still up in the air? I mean, uh, before it would have been what the top two teams from each division, but now <laughs> have they even said yet, or they're going to decide that later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you've, uh, you've got three Eastern conference teams adopted out in, you know, Milwaukee and gosh, now I'm having a big, uh, big brain fade moment, but I'll come back to that. Um, but you've had three Eastern Conference teams opt out. And, uh, yeah, uh, I could give you a long-winded, uh, convoluted answer, but they haven't decided on anything yet. <laughs> it's just a wait-and-see situation. Okay. It is definitely a wait-and-see situation for sure. And I'm sure, you know, the AHL is doing their due diligence to figure it all out, especially with the Atlantic and the Canadian divisions being so small. So, so right. we'll see. Maybe, maybe, it's the best, uh, maybe it's the best two or three out of the, out of the both of the divisions. We'll see. All right. So now if we get back to the, um, you know, the list of, of people who were sent down, um, sent through waivers the last couple of days, were you surprised by any of them that were sent down or, or surprised by any who weren't? Um, you know, I was, I was kind of surprised that TJ Tynan and uh, Jacob McDonald were sent back down. You know, you look at, and, and I think the two names that kind of stuck out for me 
that did stay up, at least for the time being at training camp, was Kiefer Sherwood and Keaton Middleton. And, you know, it's uh, it, it makes sense because I know that the Avalanche and the Eagles both wanted to add a little more, a little more toughness, a little more grit, a little more size. You know, I feel like the Dallas Stars in that playoff series that they had with the Avs, you know, during the summer, I feel like they, you know, the, the Radulovs and the Alexiaks, you know, kind of roughed up the Avs a little bit more than the, than they could really, you know, retaliate or maybe retaliation's not, not the best word, but at least, uh, you know, push back a little bit, I think is a better way to put that. And so to, to get a big guy, you know, like a Keaton Middleton, who's, you know, six, 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 seven, he's not the most physical presence, um, but he, he's definitely a bigger body. So, I mean, that, that definitely doesn't hurt. Um, and Dennis Gilbert kind of brings that as well. Um, you know, Scott McDonald, my co-host for the now front range hockey podcast, um, him and I have talked about it at length that the Eagles needed to add more, a little bit more toughness, a little bit more sandpaper, a little bit more grit, um, in the off season. And they did that with, with the addition of, of Gilbert and, and Middleton to some extent, you know, cause like I said, he's a big body, but I think it's for Sherwood has, has impressed in camp. And, and, and that's obviously a good sign when you've, you know, got these big names like, you know, Vecchioni's no slouch from San Antonio last season. Uh, Mika Salamaki, he, he's got some good NHL experience as well. So if you have, you know, kind of a spoil of riches like that, you know, it's a good, you know, it's a good problem to have when, you know, you're, you're kind of surprised by people that can pop out in camp and, and, you know, who says they can't interchange them, um, you know, come the season, I mean, who knows how the taxi squad's really going to work and everything, but, but, right. you know, if, if one guy gets hurt, you know, you can, you can always bring another guy in you know, obviously they're going to have to quarantine and everything, but hopefully with the vaccine, with the vaccine available, we'll, we'll see how that looks. We'll see how that works out. But Sherwood and Middleton were two names that kind of stuck out to me on that. I was going to jump, right. jump in on one thing on Gilbert. Um, I actually got to cover him with, uh, with our Hawks division in Chicago, um, through Notre Dame played three years there and then got to see him a little bit with the ice hogs. And you're right. He does provide that sandpaper, but when he, we had his time in Chicago, he really, really struggled to find his role. Sometimes he was doing too much. Um, but when it kind of, when he got comfortable, he was a guy who was just reliable. He ate minutes, dumped the puck in, was smart, um, could defend his teammates, you know, could throw the mitts down, do all that stuff. Um, and he could, he had some, a little, a little bit of offensive, offensive ability as well. So, um, I was really shocked that it was, he was part of that deal because he seemed like he was ready, you know, in the next year or two to get to that next level. So providing that depth for the Eagles is going to be going to be huge for them this year. And I did notice that, uh, most of the people that they kept with those couple of exceptions are all waiver exempt, I believe. And everybody that they sent down, of course, is not. And I believe that now they can move those guys back and forth and back and forth kind of at will until they've, what, been there 30 days or played 10 games. And so it, to some extent, it might just be a, you know, a waivers game that, <laughs> um, I don't know, I could be wrong, but. Um, no, that's a very astute observation. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, all of those guys, um, in fact, even because, of course, Cout, O'Connor, and Bowers are waivers exempt, but also, and, and Timmons, but also Dennis Gilbert, who I believe is still up, is waivers exempt. And so, you know, everybody else, they can kind of clear through there while the waiver wires are packed, knowing mm -hmm. nobody's taking right now. Um, and then now they can move them back and forth, I think. Um, yeah, and, no, 
that's a that's a very shrewd that's a very shrewd move by the Avs because like you said, everybody's sending players back down to the AHL right now, and so it's like, yeah, there's there's not a pressing need for a team to claim a claim a player off of waivers. So yeah, right. Yeah, that's and a that- I. I Go ahead, Marie. Or you can have Jacob McDonald or, you know, TJ Tynan or whoever going back and forth and not worry about if they would get picked up. So um, so which which players do you think are going to end up being on that taxi squad and starting the season with the abs? Well, right now, the, the training camp roster with the cuts that they made today is down to 29. And... This season, they're allowed to have 23 players on the active roster with a taxi squad of four to six players. So um, they could very well have, you know, all of these. They could very well have everyone um, on. They could very well have everybody on on there. However, you know, with the Western Hockey League announcing that they are going to make it a point to have a season, of course, that obviously includes Bowen Byram in the situation and his time with the Vancouver Giants. Um, I think Byram stays with the team, with the Avalanche, until, or at least on the taxi squad, um, until the WHL figures out what they're going to do. And if, you know, if the Avs go down to four players on the taxi squad, um, you know, with with all of those names, you know, I can see, (laughs) with all of those names, I can see, you know, guys that, you know, deserve to at least be on the taxi squad. So it's like... um, You've got Shane Bowers, Logan O'Connor, Martin Kaut, um, Connor Timmons. You know, all of those guys are, are fringe level players and they they can stay up on the taxi squad for sure. Um, if Byron bows out, um, I can see Middleton bowing out. Just, be, you know, like I said, maybe kept on the training camp just to see what a big guy at six, 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 seven can do. Um, and then Kiefer Sherwood's impressing, obviously. So maybe, you know, maybe he'll edge one of those other guys out. But, you know. Obviously, you know what you're getting with with pretty much everybody else, and so I say if if they go on the low end of the taxi squad, if Sherwood you know isn't as impressive as he has been recently, I'd say they bump him back down to the Eagles. Same with Keaton Middleton, um, and then keep guys like uh, like Bowers, O'Connor, Cout, Gilbert, and for for however long the time being, Bowen Byram, Timmons. Speaking of Byram, what were your thoughts on his play at the World Juniors? No, I mean, you know, he just he played lights out. I mean, <laughs> he gave it a, gave it his all. And, and it was, I think, really apparent in the award ceremony after the fact that, you know, he's just a very emotionally in tune player. He's he's hyper focused. But I mean, he doesn't let that show on the ice as much, if at all. You know, he's just so hyper focused on the ice and just so determined to to do such a good job. But he just leaves it all out there on the ice. And it's really apparent. Like I said, he just he tempers that emotion and and just once it was all over and he started crying, it's just like, man, you could just tell that silver metal metal just kind of broke him down. But, you know, that that wasn't for any that wasn't for any uh, lack of lack of effort and, you know, and just any lack of anything on his part. It was just him giving it his all and just being spent at the very end of it. So, yeah. He, he did really well. And uh, anyone with a good pair of eyes will definitely tell you the same. <laughs> yeah. Marie and I talk about this all the time um, about how miraculous it is that Kale McCarr went from the frozen four to the NHL playoffs and how rare that is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they were both of these guys were picked fourth overall. And even though McCarr did that, 
we don't need to have that same expectation for Bo Byram. I mm-hmm. think I think everybody kind of penciling him in for the NHL. I think Sackick's probably going to do the right thing. He's going to put him where he thinks he needs to go. But at the same time, it's just it makes Kale McCarr's you know skill set and what he did so crazy. Um, I, I just think with Byram, you just wherever he thinks he's ready to be, and everybody's going to they're going to tell you, yeah, I'm ready for the NHL, but. Playing defense in the NHL is so difficult. Um, the game is just so much faster. And I, I, as much as Byram could be ready for it, I think this one they have to make, be a little bit more careful with. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think, you know, the the Avalanche and the Eagles have enough depth on, on the defensive side of the puck that they can afford to let Byram kind of, uh, you know, be nurtured up in the WHL for a little bit. But, I mean, since this <laughs> since this season is just so... Uh, unique is it? I guess that's a that's a better way. That's a good way to put it. Is it's very unique. It's very, it's just different, <laughs> unprecedented. That's the word I was trying to avoid because <laughs> we've heard it so much, you know. But so many times, so many times. But yes, unique, different, unprecedented for sure. I think the fact that you can put Byram in there for a few NHL games and then send him back to the WHL and to the you know the Canadian Hockey League at large. You know, I think that this is a perfect time to to kind of uh, break him in slowly. You know, like I said, you've got the depth. You've got these unparalleled circumstances that we're dealing with on a worldwide level. And so, yeah, yeah, you've got plenty of time. And there's, there is no rush. And I don't think there was a rush with Makar either. I just think once you know, you know. And he was ready. I mean, he came in and contributed during the playoffs that, that one year after, like you said, he was in the Frozen Four. So, but hey, why not? It, you know, season him a little bit give him a little more time to, you know, to season. I mean, that's the best, best word I can find for it. A little more seasoning. I have wondered with the taxi squad, if they will opt to take the, you know, the top prospects um, like Bowers, you know, for example, if this were a normal year, I could see Shane Bowers being back down in the AHL with the Eagles, at least for the start of the season. I don't think, you know, Count and O'Connor, I kind of see them being, on the abs Bowers in a normal year, I think maybe not, you know, with the taxi squad though, do they, do they take those top prospects or do they figure he's going to be better off in the AHL playing top six minutes and you take keeper Sherwood instead? Um, somebody who's maybe whose development you're not as invested in, right? You just know that he's going to be able to hold the line if needed. Yeah. Um, I, I think especially, especially with the January 13th start date for the AHL or sorry for the NHL. And then the February 5th tentative start date for the AHL. I think you've got a little wiggle room to make that choice. You've got a little wiggle room to make that decision. And it's kind of, you know, training camp is, is most definitely just a show me kind of uh, kind of atmosphere. Show me what you've got. And, um, and the chemistry, they can, they can work with that a little bit more. The Avs know what they have in Shane Bowers. If if they need to send him back down to the Eagles, then then they can and they will um, to kind of flesh out what they have and what they've seen in Kiefer Sherwood. Why not? I mean, you've got that opportunity, and like you said, you know they Bowers has been around, and so or at least you know a, a, he's been around longer than Sherwood for sure. So yeah, why not? Why not give Kiefer Sherwood a little bit of a chance there, especially if you're going to keep him on the taxi squad and, you know, kind of build a little chemistry with the guys that are going to be a part of that unit. It'll be interesting to see how they play it 
Mm -hmm. uh, so what do you think about the, the situation in net? You know, they sent Werner back down. They still have Miska up, but that leaves um, the Eagles with, I don't know, just Werner. Um, Peyton Jones is playing with the Grizzlies. Um, how do you think that's going to work? Well, I, again, I think it's, it's the avalanche having a lot of good options, um, even as far down as the Utah Grizzlies and neck, you know, with the Grizzlies picking up uh, new, former Newfoundland goaltender, Parker Gahagan. Um, gosh. Yeah. Grizzlies is, is becoming uh growler South uh, for a lot of the former Newfoundland players that uh, since Newfoundland isn't playing in the ECHL this year, uh, Peyton Jones, I think has a great opportunity to, to really kind of, ease into the professional game, especially with Gahagan and Jones as the goaltending tandem currently for the Grizzlies down in West Valley city there. Um, you know, I did a piece on him. I talked to his, uh, coach guy Godowski, um, from Penn state. And he says he's an athlete and he's just really determined. He's got that determination to just better himself. And he's a smart kid too. He stayed all four years at Penn state because he, he put his education first. And so, you know, he could have gone pro earlier, but he wanted to get that degree and he wanted to make it a point to to complete his studies. So I think that's that's saying of him. I don't I don't think that it'd be a surprise to see Jones in the AHL um, in the next year or two. Um, you know, Miska and Werner, that was your combination last season. And I think Miska definitely has played himself into the role. He's a he's a top 10 AHL goaltender. He did phenomenally with them. I think he got 25 wins with only 10 losses last season. Um, if my memory serves me correctly. So he I, I, yeah, he earned it for sure. And so I think you go with Miska, the Miska Warner thing. And I think Peyton Jones coming out of college, like I said, coming out of Penn state and really helping to stabilize that fairly new um, organization in the big 10 and, and really get them going in net. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a perfect fit. And I think obviously if you need another, AHL level goaltender, you can always, you know, hit the waiver wire, whoever's in free agency. But I, I don't think it's as much of a situation as it is, uh, you know, just, uh, being grateful for the riches you have on the back end there. Um, you know, in that. So speaking of depth, CC, I'm crossing my fingers because I don't want this to happen, but if something happens at the NHL level to a specific starter, whose last name starts mm. with a G, um, mm -hmm. who's going to get that call? <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, you've called on both Werner and Miska at, at separate times. I mean, so if, if there, if there is an injury that occurs up at the NHL level, um, I would say, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you just, Here I was thinking I had an answer and then my brain's like, nope, <laughs> nope. You don't have an answer. Um, Gosh, I mean, you could go with either or. That's the thing. Like, if 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 Miska's got a hot hand, I would say, why not take him? I'd say just go with the hot hand. Whoever's been doing well at the AHL level, bring him on as your backup and have Francois, uh, you know, he's been more than capable capable to step into a, a you know, an A-level goaltending role, starting role, rather. And so, yeah, I mean, you've really, I, I'd say just go with whoever's doing the best and, yeah, you can you could call up a Jones or a Gahagan from from Utah and just, you know, bump it out from there. Yeah, it seems like Adam Werner only gets 30 save shutouts in the NHL, so he might be a decent option. <laughs> I Consider, always, yeah, I feel like Adam Werner's best game is better than Miska's best game. But the mm. Miska's average normal night is better than Werner's normal night. Did that make sense? <laughs> it did. Yeah. And, and I would agree with you there. Um, but I think we need to see Warner play a little bit more. Um, he's still so young. 
right so young and you know with the injury he sustained last season i think to get him as many reps as you can you know i i, I wouldn't be surprised if miska and warner all things stay healthy knock on wood um all, all players stay healthy rather but all things considered if if warner and miska is your one-two punch for the whole season i wouldn't be surprised to have them excuse me have them split starts 50 50 i mean because you know to get warner back up to speed in the North American game and everything and, and Miska to just do what Miska does. And, you know, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if that occurred. Cool. All right. Well, kind of moving on to a, a question I've been really anxious to ask you. Um, we, we learned that the Eagles are going to be moving on from captain Mark Alt, um, who provided a lot of good services for the Eagles. Um, but they decided to, to part ways. So um, in your expert opinion, who do you think is going to have that C on their sweater next year? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a number of good options. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of incoming guys. Um, so, I mean, even like a guy like a Kyle Burroughs coming in from the Islanders organization with Bridgeport, um, you know, sported the sea for the sound tigers last year for them. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an alternate captaincy just because of his leadership capabilities. But I would, think that the Eagles would give the captaincy to somebody who's who's been with the team for for one if not both of the Eagles seasons that they've played at the AHL level and you know of course your alternates you look at Sheldon Dries and TJ Tynan I think either one of them could have a really solid opportunity to get the captaincy but I also think and this is my dark horse and this is who I think might actually sneak in there um, it's, it's kind of the elder statesman on the forward line currently, and that's Jason Megna. And, you know, he has been an alternate captain. He's been a captain in his past. He's got over 120 NHL games and 350 AHL games, but obviously not just games played. Like I said, he's got that leadership capability because he's done it in the past. He was an alternate at Hartford when he played for them. He's been around the AHL for a long time, obviously, like I said, with the 350 plus games played, but yeah, I would think Jason Megna would have a solid opportunity to to wear the captaincy as well. Um, but I again, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if Dries or, or TJ Tynan also gets the captaincy as well. What do you think, Marie? Yeah, my uh, my first thoughts were TJ Tynan or possibly Jacob McDonald, but um, hmm. CC knows a lot more about these guys, these incoming guys with their history, which I did not know. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they pick. I think TJ Tynan would be a great pick, but you know, we'll see. While we were looking at the roster, we uh, Marie and I were talking about Jacob McDonald and how versatile he was last year. And I don't know how much that plays into his leadership role, but it would be nice to see him at least get a get a letter if that was possible. Um, not a lot of guys are playing defense and forward in the same season, um, but yeah, really cool to to see him doing that. Um, Kind of touching on some of the Eagles jumping into the NHL last year and the playoff push because of so many injuries. Um, guys like Logan O'Connor, uh, I know Shane Bowers is, um, I don't think he got ice time, but he was at least up. Um, you saw Dries, uh, Kevin Connaughton was not on the team anymore, but some of these guys on the Eagles on this roster got to play in NHL playoff games. And we're just kind of wondering, you know, what is that experience going to do for them? What are they bringing back to the Eagles? And um, does that really motivate them and their teammates to try to get everybody to the next level or just kind of push even harder knowing that, yeah, we competed at the highest level um, when the games are really on the line? Yeah, that's, that's always valuable experience. I don't, you know, 
I don't care who you are. I mean, once you get to the NHL level and then get to also participate in the playoffs, I think you can definitely wear that. Uh, not in a like a boastful way, but you can wear that as a feather in your cap and kind of bring it back to your team and be like, hey, so you know we've we've played at the next level. They they have that confidence. They can bring that to the team and and kind of wear it like a badge of honor. Like I said, not in a boastful way, not in an arrogant way, but but really as kind of a team building way to say, hey, you know we've seen <laughs> we've seen the other side of the bridge in regards to the regular season to the postseason at the NHL level. And so you know considering those guys also had that. At the AHL level, you know, when the Eagles have have made their division semifinal first round, you know, appearances in the past, I think that's totally helpful. Um, I also want to say that, you know, bringing in guys like a Sherwood who had a really, really deep run with the San Diego goals when they made the Western Conference finals a couple seasons ago. You know, Liam O'Brien, of course, will, you know, bring him up because he's a huge offseason acquisition. You got you want to talk about a sandpaper guy. I mean, O'Brien's a solid addition and he, he shows up big in the postseason and has a lot of that experience with Hershey, you know, playing six seasons with them. Um, but also, you know, Ryan Wagner, I mean, he, he showed up really well towards the end of the, what would be the end of the regular season in March there, but after being called up from the, from the Utah Grizzlies, I mean, you know, he was scoring goals against the best team in the AHL at that point in the Milwaukee Admirals. So, you know, and his experience with the Chicago Wolves and everything, I think whenever you can get, playoff experience be it at the ahl or the nhl level i think like i said those guys that had that ahl experience with the as last year they're really going to bring that confidence in they're really going to wear that as a badge of honor and i yeah it can only mean good things for the team so you mentioned liam o'brien that leads right into my next question which <laughs> you know the first thing i noticed when i looked him up was uh penalty minutes mm-hmm. quite a few of them <laughs> is he going to be the the brawler or I mean, I don't know that those penalty minutes come from fighting. I, I was just assuming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not afraid to drop the gloves. That's for sure. Um, you know, when I was with the Sinbin, uh, Corey Schwartz, he's got his own um, Hershey Bears uh, nation, Hershey Bears Hockey Nation, rather, blog that he also writes for. And he got to watch Liam for all six of his seasons. And, you know, he was really, you know, just kind of like, man, you know, Colorado's getting not only a good guy on the ice, but off the ice as well. He did a lot of good work in the community there in the Hershey, Pennsylvania area. And so, yeah, they're they're not only getting some good some good grit and some so, a solid forward presence in Liam O'Brien, but they're also they're also getting a good community oriented guy. And so once, you know, like I said, the vaccine starts to, you know, people start to take the vaccine and, and the COVID-19 pandemic starts to wind down, you know, don't be surprised to see Liam O'Brien up there in Northern Colorado and even in Denver volunteering his time and really helping out in the community. Um, yeah, he's, I think if anything, he's an upgrade from AJ Greer because not only is he that sandpaper guy, but he also, like I mentioned earlier, he comes up big in postseason moments. You know, he's not afraid. And with, you know, he hovers around the 25, 30 points per season mark, which is a solid contribution. He's not just a goon. You know, he's he, he's, he can put the puck in the net and he can also assist on plays as well. So, so yeah, very good pickup from Colorado. Very surprising in a good way, for sure. All right. So the um, Eagles this year picked up the third-year option on Cronin's uh, contract. Um he has a really good record with us right now, 70, 45, and nine. Mm-hmm. And so you think this will be his last year that he's going to get a better offer somewhere else or think he's going to hang out here in Colorado for a while? 
You know, the devil's advocate in me looks at that record and says, man, yeah, he could, he could get an associate coach position for an NHL team. You know, um, he could, he could do that kind of like what Rocky Thompson did with, after he was coaching the Chicago wolves and, you know, moved on over to the San Jose sharks as an associate coach over there this off season. But, but honestly, I think his chemistry and his rapport with the avalanche organization, you know, he's there. The Eagles are not finishing last in the Pacific division. You know, they've made the postseason both years that they've been in the AHL thus far. Um, granted, you know, first round exits, not not the best, but hey, you're you're making the postseason. You're not like I said, basement dwelling in the Pacific Division. And the Avalanche and the Eagles are really starting to well, they're not starting, they're continuing on there. There's just this prospect um development, and they're just doing such a phenomenal job at it. I wouldn't be surprised if if Cronin does well or if he doesn't do well, if he has a down season, I wouldn't be surprised if the Avalanche, if he has a poor season, I think the Avalanche might give him another year and say, okay, we'll see if you rebound from this. Or if they has a really good season, they might give him a, you know, a longer deal, you know, two, two, maybe three more years. But I think he works well within the organization. And um, unless he makes a different decision, then, you know, I think he sticks around. Look at that fucking treasure trail. What's up with your fucking body hair, big shoots? Hockey is back for the 2021 season. You know what that means. It's time to take care of your family jewels and overall hygiene with the global leaders in below the waist grooming. Manscaped. Use the right tools for the job on and off the ice. Take it from me, the Marty Brodeur of Cooley and Coiffing. Don't be a goon and fight your bush. Our new partners at manscaped are here to help you manage your naughty bits so you stay clean fragrant and aesthetically pleasing to your significant other where it matters most every manscaped product is now available all over the usa and canada and with a special 20 percent discount for rink rats at manscaped.com Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer just to keep your private area safe. The Manscaped engineering team spent an intensive 18 months perfecting the greatest private area trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Lawnmower 3.0 is simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Think your skates are sharp? Because the ceramic blade and advanced skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced with a close shave. Perfect Package 3.0, which comes loaded into this nice little box, also comes with a crop preserver and crop reviver. It's time to keep your yarbles fresh and clean. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your nuts from sticking to your legs from end to end. Nobody will be chirping you anymore for having really smelly nuts. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with a soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your balls a boost. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag. And I gotta tell you, this thing is really nice to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included. I'm wearing mine as we speak and they are nice. 
Complete your top-to-bottom grooming game with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. With the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to this collection. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THERINKSEATTLE. The Rink Chicago. Or The Rink Colorado. No dashes, no underscores, nothing at manscaped.com. Light the lamp this season with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Hockey's back. Don't let your manscaping get out of whack. So that kind of, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but you're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, how well they were playing. We had a first round exit two seasons ago, but this last season, um, you know, we started out slow, October, November, first part of December was kind of ugly. And then mm-hmm. suddenly in December, that team just took off and it was amazing. And I really felt like we were poised for a deep playoff run this year. And of course it didn't happen, but uh, what do you think? You think we would have, we would have done well this year? I think, yeah, I think the Eagles would have broke through and at least got to the second round. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate that they didn't, you know, I, yeah, I, I covered that, that almost last series that they had at the beginning of March with Milwaukee, and I was just really impressed. And, and you're right, you corrected me there. They they lost in the first round of the playoffs in 1819. There were no playoffs in 1920, so they didn't have a couple first round. They just had the one, but yeah, I think, I think they would have at least got to the second round. I think Tucson was kind of trending in the wrong direction. Um, I yeah. think their puck luck started to started to run out a little bit. I mean, they were just surging ahead. And if I may be a little nerd, their PDO was a little high. <laughs> but um, well, yeah, but the, but the Colorado and swept them. You know, I mean, we we had a good record against Tucson, even though they were the number one um, team in the division. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was another thing is that, you know, because they played so well against Tucson, I think they may have matched up well with them come the postseason. And, and I think they would have at least got to the second round. Um, but yeah, I, for, 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 if my memory serves me correctly, March seems like a hundred years ago, March, 2020, (laughs) but yeah, it, it definitely, I think the Eagles would have definitely gotten to the, the second round at least. And and maybe a Western Conference Finals appearance, but but with the roster that they had, I don't think not not any further than that. So I had a couple more questions before you. Thanks again for for joining us. It's been a lot of fun to talk Eagles with you. Um, oh sure, yeah. I've got one more roster question, and then one more kind of uh, quick reaction game. Uh, just talking about COVID and kind of the game experience. What's going to stay? What's going to go? So first off, my my roster question. Um, Sackick brings in a handful of guys, um, for the AHL level, Sherwood, Vecchioni, Salamaki, Burroughs, Middleton, uh, Fortin. Um, I think when everybody sees this free agency signing, uh, of all these players, it's not very sexy, right? Um, you think of, uh, a trade like the Ryan Graves trade, they kind of went under the radar. It's like, Hey, we're going to get this guy. He's six, five, not really working in New York. And we're going to trade B grass. Who's not really working here. It was kind of a one for one, but nobody really thought of it. And what Sackick does is says, Hey, I, I can develop this guy. You know, no one really knows about him. Um, he's not succeeding at the level he's at for some reason. It might just be a system thing. So kind of in your, in your eyes, uh, who would be the best fit for the abs in their system, um, of the handful of guys that we just brought in? Well, I think it's encouraging that Kiefer Sherwood is getting a second look. You know, um, like I said, he's he's got that experience on on some solid San Diego squads in the past. And 
Yeah, I, I mean, that could that could be a, a good candidate if he continues to impress during training camp and either makes a taxi squad or maybe even sneaks in there on the fourth line or the third line, you know. Um, but Vecchioni, I mean, he's no he was no slouch for for San Antonio either. Um, Salamaki, I mean, he's he's bounced around quite a bit, but, you know, he's got that NHL experience. He was on I want to say he was on that Predators squad that made that Stanley Cup final run, you know, back a few years ago, I can't remember the exact year against them against the Penguins, but, but yeah, I mean, Burroughs, like I said, he, he had the captain seeing with the sound tigers, Keaton Middleton, big body guy, you know, if he, if he gets a little more physical and, you know, maybe puts on a little more muscle, he could be a, a formidable, he could be a formidable, formidable asset to the abs, uh, especially come postseason time and Fortin, you know, Fortin, I think he, um, obviously the most recent signing, I think he was more of a depth signing at an AHL level. Um, especially since he was still available at this time in the year, you know, three days before the NHL season starts and just a month out before the AHL season starts. But um, I would, I would say Sherwood um, and, and Kyle Burroughs, I think Kyle Burroughs could, you know, if, if he continues to, to have that leadership capability and role, I, I think to have leadership from the top to the bottom, you know, in regards to, you know, your defensive pairings and your forward lines. I think, I think that can never be a bad thing. So, so in my opinion, Kiefer Sherwood and Kyle Burroughs. Love it. Well, our last question is uh, a little fun. We, we just talked about some things that are going to change with going to hockey games in person. Mm -hmm. Um, As everyone knows, they're, they're rolling out the vaccines, maybe not as fast as we'd like, but eventually this year people are going to be vaccinated. They're going to have, Vaccine passports and um, sporting events are going to come back. We don't know at what rate, um, even though some people are, are attending games now, like in the NFL playoffs, we see 7,000 people in Buffalo and they had really strict measures to get into that game, like COVID testing and um, a lot of other things to to host those games during this time. But I just wanted to run by a few things and kind of get your take on whether these things are going to stay or whether they're kind of going to go and it's going to get back to normal. So uh, first topic is digital tickets. And that's something that I know a lot of avalanche fans were really upset and maybe fans around the country who spend, um, you know, their money on sporting events and they, they love those, uh, physical tickets and the nostalgia of having a 20 year old ticket in your drawer and remembering the game. But do you think digital tickets are here to stay? Um, are you talking after the, the pandemic kind of goes by the wayside? I think so. Yeah. I think it's going to depend on the venue. Um, you know, I, I going to avalanche games and them giving you kind of a flimsy little stub, you know, in, in years past, you know, I think, I think that could come back down the road, but I think for the near future, I think digital tickets, um, both in Denver and in Loveland will be, will be here to stay. And, and, you know, with, kind of people wanting to go green and things like that. I, I think it would make sense as well. Um, I know the nostalgia attached to ticket stubs for sure, but, but with the way that health is currently, you know, just overall health and, and lack of, you know, just minimizing touching whatever you can, <laughs> I think digital tickets will be here to stay. Um, and if they want and or, or, the option, I think will show up for a physical ticket, maybe two or three years down the line again. Yeah, we have the, pleasure of having a Eagles season ticket holder on the call. 
So Marie, what, <laughs> what's kind of your perspective on this? Do you like the hard tickets or do you care about the, the digital? I mean, I guess everybody's going for the whole thing of contact lists, right? They're doing everything right. to make, make uh, people feel comfortable where they're not touching anything. Um, you know, germs are, you know, not being, not being passed and we'll kind of get to that on the next thing. But what are your thoughts about uh, digital tickets? I don't know. So I'm also a Broncos season ticket holder. And a couple of years ago, the Broncos made it all digital tickets. They would not accept a paper ticket anymore. And of course, that's a much bigger uh, venue. You're talking 70,000 fans. It was a nightmare because a huge number of people can't figure out how to pull their ticket up on their phone. They had to have booths set up at every gate to help the people who, you know, walked all the way up to the gate and then were like, where's my ticket? You know, they, it was, it was a disaster. And then last season, the Eagles offered a full digital thing. And I, I actually emailed my ticket guy and said, you know, what are you using? Are you using flash seats? Or are you using Ticketmaster? And he's, this was maybe a month before the season started. He said, we don't know yet. <laughs> and I was huh. like, yeah, I'll take paper tickets again this year. Thanks. Just because I didn't want the, the learning curve, the learning curve of getting a, you know, a bunch of people who aren't necessarily up on their, um, technology, <clears throat> standing at the door in cold weather, not knowing how to pull their tickets up. But, you know, it is the 21st century now. It's probably time for everybody to catch up. So <laughs> I imagine we'll be going fully digital in the next couple of years, either way. Which kind of brings us to our next uh, item here. So digital payments in the team store. I don't think that that's kind of that big of a deal. I think a lot of people go in there and use Apple Pay or some sort of credit card that's um, where you don't have to touch the keypad, things like that. But um, concessions is another thing where you're at an Avs game or an Eagles game and people are walking through and they're throwing you a bag of peanuts or whatever. Um, they have to make that contactless because those people don't accept credit cards right now. It's just cash, right? And that's probably going to go away. That's true, yeah. And I don't I don't know how that works when you have the guys, you know, walking up and down the rows. Um I know just like at Broncos games, uh, well, I guess it would have been two seasons ago now, um, but you got a discount on bottled water if you did Apple Pay <laughs> for whatever reason. That's interesting. I wouldn't believe how many people, myself included, had to stand there trying to figure out how to make it work, you know, but um, we're probably all going to have to learn. <laughs> you know, something that I noticed um, working for small businesses in the past is that when you purchase goods um, from a lot of these small vendors, um, they can attach a little, you know, a little credit card swipe into their cell phones. And so, mm. you know, like, like through certain companies, um, Square comes to mind, but you just you know, attach a little, you know, right into your aux port right there into your cell phone and people can just swipe the cards. It's not and bad. It's just like what, it's just like what you have to do at Starbucks or any fast food restaurant. They hand you the keypad. They say, well, I'm not going to touch your card, so go ahead and put your card in there. I think it's going to be a lot of that with concessions and team store. Again, to minimize any contact with hands or, you know, it's, it's just contactless. Like you said, Aaron, it's just kind of kind of the, the age that we are going to be living in. And I think that we're going to be used to once the pandemic has, has passed us, you know, it's just going to be contactless, digital, um, paperless. It's just going to be the age and the era that we're going to be ushered into, I think. For sure. So how about the, the famous teddy bear toss and, and chuck a puck? These are things that are, you know, involving a lot of 
touching different things and, and we're bringing stuffed animals to kids in hospitals or, um, you know, charity events and things like that. Do you wonder if that's going to change too? Because with the concessions, you can put gloves on those people, right? They can, they can hand you something and it's, uh, you know, they're wearing gloves, but with every single fan throwing a teddy bear or whatever, that's been around in their car and whatever. I wonder if that disappears at least for this year. Um, I don't think it disappears as much as it takes a different form um, because I've seen a lot of teams do like a drive-by teddy bear toss where people will will pull up in their cars and and yes yeah they are handling the the stuffed animal but I can see you know um, sanitization you know just sanitizing it you know sanitizing all the stuffed animals like you would anything else just with a light mist or whatever um, I can see that like a drive-through teddy bear toss I think maybe you do that for the next year or so and then you kind of get back to normal with the you know oh they scored the goal everybody throw their stuffed animals on the ice and same with chuck-a-puck you know i've seen a lot of echl teams already uh, implement a virtual chuck-a-puck as it were and same with sphl teams down at the single a level there but yeah it's time to get creative because you know people you know these these teams and these businesses which is what they ultimately are these minor league franchises they're businesses they're trying to make some money and they're got it. They got to get creative, and I think that's the way, you know, to advertise these things at least for this season and maybe even next season um, until again until the vaccine and herd immunity take effect. For sure. One thing I noticed when I went to an Eagles game um, was I was in Marie's section and right across I kind of made a lap, and there was this section where there were no seats. It was kind of just like a bar. I think it was called the. Uh, the Bud Light balcony where a bunch of people mm-hmm. were just hanging out. That's got to go away, right? <laughs> where people are just congregating. It, it, yeah, if it doesn't go away, it's going to be severely limited. Um, I'll let Marie chime in, chime in on this one first and foremost, and then I'll kind of give my thoughts after it. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I can't imagine. I mean, assuming we get to have some fans in the building this year for Eagles games, I can't imagine that we're going to be packed together on the Bud Light balcony you know, slamming back those 99 cent Bud Lights. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be like pretty much every restaurant. I mean, I know you guys are, uh, at least I know Marie's up there in Larimer County. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, But, but, you know, here in Adams County, where I currently reside, um, you know, it's, it's indoor dining has been up and down. I mean, they just reopened, I think anywhere, I can't remember if it's 10% or 25% capacity, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bud Light balcony, like like you said, if we're going to have in-person um, attendance at the Eagles games this season, I don't see it being anywhere, uh, you know, tables, buffering in between tables. And yeah, it's just, it, you got to do the social distancing. You got to do six feet apart. They might just close it all together just to avoid any, you know, any complications, but Hey, you know, again, they got to make some, got to make some profit or at least got to generate some income. So maybe there is a, a limited aspect to the Bud Light balcony there at the Budweiser event center. Yes. Yeah, speaking- That's true. It could become a kind of like the, uh, what, oh shoot, what do they call the, the seat between the, the seat between the benches? Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I can't think of the name <laughs> before. Um, it was like a special thing you could buy, you know, mm. your, your seats in that booth. So Bud Light Balcony could become the same thing where, you know, for an upcharge, you get to go sit on the Bud Light Balcony this year. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, again, yeah, you got to make some money somehow. So upcharge might be, might be in the cards. Didn't think about that. 
the yeah. bench warmer seats. That's what they call them. <laughs> there was that booth in between the two benches that you could you could sit at um, for extra. Anyway. So speaking of restaurants, I know the the Avalanche have uh, a restaurant at the new ball arena. Um, I'm just wondering those uh, QR codes for menus and such. That's probably going to stay right. I can't imagine having physical menus, things like that. Uh, but one thing I did want to bring up, the last thing here is um, directly affecting UCC is post-game media access. So what we've seen recently and um, what I've been a part of with uh, covering Denver Pioneers is those Zoom post-game meetings um, after the locker room. And I'm just wondering how long it's going to take for press to be able to go down to those uh, to the locker room and have those types of scrums again or whether they're going to you know, separate the media and players completely, except for some sort of uh, digital interview. Uh, definitely not this season, I wouldn't say. I mean, again, vaccine, herd immunity, insert pandemic buzzword here. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it's 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 just going to kind of have to be the, uh, you know, got to have to get your picks into, you know, the the media director, you know, either right after the game or like in between second and third period intermission, you know, I'm sure every team's going to have to do it differently, but I know Scott McDonald covering, you know, the avalanche and in their time uh, just for training camp and everything like that, he's had to, you know, with coach Bednar and, you know, Ryan Graves and, and different guys like that. He's had to, and Brandon sod, he put out an article about Brandon sod recently, but he's definitely had to utilize zoom and, you know, coordinate with that. Uh, writing for Colorado hockey now. And so, yeah, it's just, it's such a, uh, it's such a weird time. You know, it's, it's going to be different. You know, me and uh, Ryan Loberger from, from Colorado state university, you know, him and I were the only two guys down in the press scrum for, for a couple games there. And so, yeah, it's going to be different to just be, you know, separated from those and not be able to ask one of the, Hey, can you grab so-and-so for me? Grab Ryan Wagner or whoever. It's just, it's different. It's, it's weird. And it's, it's unprecedented. <laughs> <laughs> I know one thing that I really loved at DU was like you said, kind of asking for whoever I wanted, um, especially in the visitor locker room, they were always like, sure. Yeah, we'll give you whoever. Um, but just being able to go to the, the DU locker room and, you know, shake a guy's hand and build a, a relationship with them, um, knowing that you're there every weekend, right. Instead of, um, just an icon, right? I, I think it's just important to to be there and show up and make sure that you're building that relationship with them so they trust you because they'll you know, ultimately give you more information. But um, So I guess I wanted to wrap up with this, this one last question. And I think it's kind of a question that a lot of sports franchises are asking themselves. And that's um, with the pandemic um, and a lot of people losing their jobs. And the first thing people generally cut are luxury items. And hockey tickets are one of them. So eventually, when fans are allowed back to Eagles games and Avs games, what do you expect? Do you expect fans to be there in full support saying, hey, we haven't seen a game, we haven't seen our team in you know, a full year and we're ready to go? Or do you expect there to be maybe less bodies there and people still worried um, and the people may be canceling their tickets at some point um, just because they don't feel comfortable being in large audiences anymore. So, um, maybe we'll start with Marie on this one. I don't know. That's a tough, I, um, I want to say this is Eagles country and we pack that barn every week, you know, and I, I want to say it's going to stay the same. Um, but you know, I talk to my friends and I think that not everybody 
feels that way, obviously there will be some caution. You know, we have a pretty small venue. Um, it seats like 5,820 people, I think is our, um, and the owner, oh my God, whose name is suddenly leaving my brain, but, um, he's been talking about building a, you know, a bigger venue that's twice that size. And I definitely think that's going to end up getting pushed down the road a little bit. I don't see that happening as soon, but I like to think that we're going to still fill that barn as soon as we're able. I, I would agree with you, Marie. Um, I think, you know, it's going to leave a void up there in Northern Colorado and, and really, you know, you look at the, I mean, I'm looking at the central hockey league numbers here through the, you know, the recession in 2008 and the attendance figures didn't, didn't waver at all, you know, from, you know, before that to after, I mean, from, from 2004 to 2011, five, two, eight, nine, five, two, eight, nine, five, two, eight, nine, you know, the, the numbers are steady. And, and I think, you know, the fan base up there is so fervent that even though, you know, yeah, it is a luxury item, quote unquote, to be able to go to sporting events and things like that. But once, you know, the economy starts to recover and things like that, I, and once the, you know, health organizations, local health organizations, state health organizations start to allow, you know, more and more fans to come into, you know, the Budweiser event center and everything, it's going to be an, it's going to be an opportunity to, you know, to, to say welcome back. And I think the fans are going to be chomping at the bit. Are there going to, are you going to lose some? Yes. Because again, there, there's a lot of people affected with, you know, change of employment, loss of employment. But I, overall, I think Eagles fans are going to come back and they're going to come back in mass and, um, and they're going to continue to, to show why, uh, CHL, ECHL, AHL, those attendance figures stay the way that they are. And, and they're so robust in that 5,000 plus seat BEC. Love it. Well, I'm an avalanche season ticket holder and I've been for two years now. And a lot of people ask me the question, you know, if uh, the avalanche decide this season that they're going to allow some fans, would you go? And I've, don't really have an answer. I'm kind of like, I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. But for me, it's really about, it's, it's, I guess it's not really getting there or getting in or like who I'm sitting next to, but it's like all the commingling that happens in between time. So getting up, going to the bathroom, um, washing your hands, etc., going out, getting a, getting a beer, getting food and, um, being in close quarantine or close, uh, proximity to a lot of different people. Um, we know that about this, pandemic that if you're in a room with X amount of people, you know, they're all going to spread it. So it's a scary thing to think about, but I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that we get these vaccines rolled out and um, I get to be at the uh, ball arena for an avalanche playoff game this year. And I'm sure Marie is hoping the same for, for the Eagles. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, CC Marie, it's awesome to have you both on. Um, really appreciate your time and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Thank Aaron. Thank you so much. Thank you for downloading and supporting us. Make sure you're following CC on Twitter at CCHawk and check out all of his Eagles coverage on fullpresshockey.com. A special thanks to our sponsors at puckhockey.com. With the promo code THERINK, you can save 10% on all purchases. And thanks to our new sponsor, Manscaped. You can receive 20% off and free shipping with the promo code THERINKCOLORADO at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And until next time, see you on the rink.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.